Hey, UFC is about to have the nicest house on the block. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day, whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. We are free, and I appreciate your support, and you can show your appreciation by, by becoming a free subscriber on YouTube. It's easy. Hit the red subscribe button. You're done. Hit that thumbs up. Both of those participation points mean a whole heck of a lot to the show. Thank you so very, very much. <clears throat> And once again, because I come at you five times a week, nobody else does, hit that bell notification button, and that way you will not miss an episode. So I want to invite everybody on in. Come in and check out the new crib. Yeah, USC uh, got a new house, new football-only facilities. I've heard people talk about USC putting up a new football-only facility going all the way back till since Hector was a pup. I have no idea who Hector is. I'm not talking about the one in Trojan War, but Chick Hearn used to talk about it all the time. May he rest in peace. So literally just one day before USC is set to host its June Bash official visit weekend, this is their big recruiting weekend in June. This is the one they, they I, I won't say they focus all of their energies but they focus a significant amount of their energy on this weekend. So it was strategic. And now they're going to be able to kind of show off this stuff uh, to, the, to, the, to the recruits who are uh, planning to attend, hopefully convince them to commit as well. <coughs> so the university, they released uh, some render drawings as well as a statement about the latest project development. I actually have them here for you. I want to show them to you, but I'm having some technical difficulties. I, I will have this worked out next week somehow so I could show you in the background here while I'm talking, uh, but I'm not the most uh, technically proficient person when it comes to working this type of stuff. So I apologize. But this is, uh, if you remember last week, um, USC, announced the new women's soccer and lacrosse stadiums. And I, that was obviously a prelude to this announcement. Uh, the other day, I said there was going to be some news released by Friday. So this was half of the news. I, I caught wind of this. Um, now, this wasn't the only news I was referring to. You know, uh, I, Now, I heard they were getting ready to talk about this. Uh, I'm, I was hoping the uh, hopefully the other half of the news still happens. It's recruit recruiting related. So uh, if you're watching this first thing Friday morning, I don't know if a commitment has happened yet. However, maybe by the end of Friday, again, leading into this big, huge weekend. Now, again, if you haven't seen these artist renderings, you should check them out online. They're everywhere. Go to wersc.com. You can check them out there. But again, I'll have them ready to show at some point next week. Now, here are the specifics. USC football is going to have a new performance center. It's going to feature a rooftop hospitality deck. 
a player lounge atop a three stories dedicated just to complete football team operations only. Um, there's also, they're also adding a second full-length practice field. Uh, right now, USC has, uh, they have one full-length field, and then they have one that kind of crosses the T. They call it Brian Kennedy Field. It's a uh, half-length. Now, Lincoln Riley, he talked about this when he took over the uh, USC head coaching job. He's really uh, happy about these developments, calling it an absolute game changer for our program. Quote, it will be the perfect home for our team and give our players every opportunity to be successful. The new complex will feature student-athlete-centric spaces, including a new locker room, multiple player lounges, a recovery hub, nutritional support, sports sciences services, a weight room, a training room, and an equipment room. Uh, USC's, USC football's new home will also feature a team auditorium, position meeting rooms, recruiting areas, staff offices, and flexible space for even future growth. Uh, what I can tell you is when you look at the facade of the building, a lot of glass up front, very modern looking. Uh, it might remind you of some of the some facilities you might be facilities familiar with. Say facilities familiar with three times fast, really hard. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the University of Cincinnati we know that's where Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna came from. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Mississippi State's uh, facilities that kind of just empty right there onto the football stadium. So again, check it out. Really good, cool, look, good looking stuff. <clears throat> so if you're familiar with the layout on campus, um, Howard Jones Field, the, pra the practice facility, it's staying there. To the, I guess we would call that the south or the west end of the of the practice facility. Um, this is where the new structure is going to go up, and then um, they're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff as well. Now, this means that the baseball field is going to need is not only going to be upgraded, but it's going to kind of get shifted and moved a little bit. So, if you're familiar with those uh, tennis courts and basketball courts that are kind of behind over there, um, that kind of buttress next to uh, the football practice facility and the baseball stadium, that's getting eliminated. The backstop of Dado Field will now be um, at the back of, or the front of Vermont Avenue. It'll actually be facing campus. So that's gonna be a change, but you're gonna see a lot of good looking stuff there. Um, the baseball, again, it's going to receive a uh, capacity of around 2,500. The features will include a fan experience enhancement, such as a variety of seating options, outdoor social spaces, an indoor hospitality space, uh, multiple concession locations, expanded restrooms, a video board, and an audio system. And if you look closely at the renderings, it looks like they might even have a waterfall out there in the outfield. Cool looking stuff. And uh, the stadium is also going to include a brand new press box, which it needed. <laughs> it was really small. Coaching and support staff offices and a team meeting space. So in essence, it's basically, it's going to be a brand new baseball stadium and uh, with a brand new press box, coaching, support staff offices, team meeting space, everything. It's going to look really cool. <clears throat> Pardon.
heard in me. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, USC announced their plans for a $38 million stadium, uh, plans for the women's soccer and lacrosse teams. Rawlinson Stadium will be a state-of-the-art 2,500-seat 2, venue as well. So let me kind of wrap a bow around this. This, what USC uh, announced on Thursday, this is what scares the hell out of Nick Saban and the SEC and college football in general. Let me remind everybody, when USC was winning before name, image, and likeness was legal and before the transfer portal, in other words, Think back to when Pete Carroll was the head coach. USC football, it was a beast on its own without those built-in advantages. Now, with those, with the unlimited potential and resources from NIL and the transfer portal, and now a football-only facility that can rival any of those ones at the SEC, LSU, Alabama, that they love to brag about, um, USC is now going to be able to match them across the board. That scares Nick Saban, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan. Colin Coward said it once, USC, and I'm paraphrasing, USC football lies somewhere in between college and the NFL. If USC is winning and they have the same facilities to offer that the, SE, that the SEC and these other power programs offer, plus everything else I was talking about, NIL, the transfer portal, it's game over. Just like that. You could be seeing another Pete Carroll type of dynasty era being built. So, bird dogs, shorts and pants. Man, these things make you look so good. You really, you've got to try them. You've got to get a pair. Bird dogs khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, through the leg, and they're going to give you a truly sculptured look. And bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as the Lululemon, but they fit better. And if you've been paying attention to the news, so if you've been looking for a reason not to wear the Lululemon product, Bird Dogs has now given you a perfect reason. Two reasons. It looks good and it feels good. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton kind that kind of makes you look all boxed up. You know what I'm talking about. Those cargo shorts. But Bird Dogs, they also use an anti-stink, an anti-sweat wicking fabric that's going to keep you cool and dry all day long, especially during these summer months. Good stuff. No one's going to know if you're uh, if you've been working out, they're versatile. You literally can go from the practice field to the press box wearing their gear. And as I mentioned, they're super comfy, guys. You know what I'm talking about. Below the belt, you want to feel like there's nothing going on below the belt. So go to birddogs.com/forward/slash/locked-on-college and enter the promo code. Actually, you don't even need to enter the promo code anymore. When you go there, you're going to get a free Yeti-style tumbler, one of these every time you place an order so you won't take you i'm telling you you're not going to want to take your bird dogs off once i promise you head on over to birddogs.com check them out get a pair get your free tumbler 
you will not be sorry. Now, the NBA Finals are over. Congrats, Denver. I'm sure Dennis will Lafayette, fat fever, lat fever, fat lever. Um, I'm sure all those old school Denver Nugget fans, they're pretty happy right now. Well, Locked On NBA's mock draft special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in a six episode ultimate mock draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On, their NBA big board on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. The other day on one of this, our great episodes of Locked on USC, I talked about the top five quarterbacks list uh, voted on by the Locked on host. So there was a there was a network poll that was sent to all the hosts of the Locked on shows. And one of the other questions was top five offenses. Just a reminder, here were the results from the top five quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Everyone knew Caleb Williams was number one. Michael Penix Jr. was number two. Bo Nix from Oregon, three. Cameron Rising, number four. Jaden Delora, the quarterback from Arizona, number five. Well, again, a multiple poll questions were, were given out. One of them was the top five offenses in the Pac-12. Here are the poll results. Of course, USC number one. Oregon two, Washington three. UCLA four, Arizona number five. That number two, three, four, and five, I thought were a little interesting as far as the order that they came out. Um, you could kind of mix them up a little bit. I'm, and UCLA, I think, probably deserves to start at number five. And maybe you move Utah up. Nevertheless, um, I, I know UCLA went hard uh, with the transfer portal. Brought in a quarterback, hit, you know, some skill positions, Kyle Ford. Still like you, man. Just don't like you in that color. Um, they need, but they need to get those skill positions figured out. You know, running back as well. So despite the, you know, wide receiver room being decent, um, I think having them at number four in front of Arizona, who's returning a veteran quarterback, in a pretty good group of wide receivers. I thought that was a little curious. Again, there's talk that Chip, Ke uh, Chip Kelly might want to just start a true freshman at quarterback. I don't know if you could put them in as a top five with so much change going on on that side of the ball. The top five offenses last year in, in 2022, USC. They scored 41 points per game. Washington was second at 39.7. UCLA was third, 39.2. Oregon four, 38.8. Utah, number five at 38.6. Now, um, this is, I, I, look, I, I think everyone will agree. USC is going to be fine on offense. Uh, even if I don't think the O-line is completely figured out yet. I'm just not there. I, I know they have all the right pieces. They just got to make sure they're putting them in the right spots. Uh, but you, again, you're returning Caleb Williams. You're returning that wide receiver group. Um, and you you kind of 
you lost Travis Dye, but you brought in Marshawn Lloyd. You return Austin Jones. USC's going to be fine on offense. The Washington Huskies are returning all their best pieces from last year's offense that put up 515 yards per game. You know, Michael Penix Jr., he finished second in the nation in passing yards, 4,600. And he's got a couple of thousand-yard receivers returning, Rome Odunze and Jalen McMillan. So, you know, there's a lot of people, myself included, I thought Michael Penix probably deserved to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony last year. Don't think he's not shooting for that this year. As far as Oregon is concerned, much like USC last season, the Ducks went as far as their quarterback and offense took them. Defensively, they weren't that much better than USC. What happened to Oregon last year was Bo Nix got hurt uh, late in the year, and they ended up losing their two biggest games against their two biggest rivals, Washington and then Oregon State. Well, Bo Nix is back for his 20th year of college football, and he just need, he needs to stay healthy. He's got a, I think he's got a better uh, wide receiver supporting cast this year, at least on paper, a couple of transfers. And he's got a good pair of running backs. If Bonick stays healthy, again, they get USC and Eugene this year. They, don't, they always seem to get the breaks when it comes down to USC and Oregon. I don't know what it is. It just seems, it always feels that way. I'm not whining. I'm just pointing something out. Always feels that way. Anywho. Um, we'll see what happens when those two teams hook up in November. But what about UCLA and Arizona? Again, if, if we give Chip Kelly the benefit of the doubt, he knows offense. He'll have something figured out and working. I just don't know if they deserve to be number four, let alone ahead of Arizona. Uh, because Arizona returns Jay Delora, veteran quarterback. And some really good receivers. It's the running game that I think they've got to get going. So maybe that's where uh, the, the thought process was from some of the other hosts. I just think that uh, Jed Fish, he's got that offense starting to really click. And second year, yeah. It, with uh, Delora at quarterback and, and that wide receiver group, they can put up some... They could do some special things on offense. Tell you what, I'm glad that game's in L.A. this year. USC's going to play each of those teams that I talked about. So which offense is going to cause USC the most challenges? I guess that's maybe that's the correct way to look at this question. It doesn't really matter who's number two, three, four, and five. USC's playing each one of those teams. Which one of those offenses is, will cause USC the biggest headache. We know we get UCLA and Washington at home, as well as Arizona. USC plays at Oregon. So that's probably where the advantage lies. Okay, third segment. It's usually reserved on Friday for my Friday rant, but there is not a rant. I've got some good news, some hoop news. And it actually kind of ties in with football. So for all you folks that are anti-hoops, stick around. Pay attention. 
give it a chance. It's only going to take a few minutes. Besides, what else do you want to do? You want to be listening to Locked on USC. I'm giving you all the good stuff. Always do. Always will. So these types of weekend events need to become the norm when USC joins the big conference in 2024. On Thursday, it was announced that USC Hoops and USC Football are going to be playing on the same weekend in Las Vegas. Assuming USC Football is playing in the conference championship game, uh, the Trojans haven't reserved their hotel rooms just yet for that game. But it is in December. Also in December, first weekend, um, those rooms are probably going to be in high demand. And that means you should probably start looking into it now. USC basketball, <clears throat> they're going to be taking on Gonzaga on December 2nd. That's the same weekend USC is playing fill-in-the-blank in the Pac-12 Conference Championship game. USC fans are going to be there. It's the last year with USC as a member of the conference, formerly known as the Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-8. So as we're speaking, USC, they're, they're finalizing the agreement to play Gonzaga December 2nd in Las Vegas. I know from experience that Gonzaga fans travel in mass. I mean, where their basketball team, the whole, the whole city of Spokane, Washington shows up. I also remember what happened the last time these two teams played in, in hoops. USC was still fresh off of their beatdown of Kansas. I mean, beatdown. And then the tourney, their tourney run was over by halftime when they played Gonzaga. That was also a beatdown. This is all I know is this, is that when USC is that USC fans will show up for this basketball game if the football team wins. If they lose, as I mentioned, Las Vegas is going to look a lot like, let's just call it little Spokane, Washington. So when USC moves in a year to the big conference, I want to think about some early conference games that they can have in basketball that can piggyback in November with the football team. So, I don't know, I'm thinking, what if USC has to play in Ann Arbor in November? Well, let's put the basketball team on the same airplane. That's a heck of a weekend. Same thing with Ohio State or Wisconsin or Illinois. Pick your favorite big conference basketball team, Iowa, Minnesota. Oh, my God. Yes, do that. I want to go to the barn. That is an old school hoops mecca as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. This needs to happen. Anytime UCL, USC or UCLA, for that matter, is playing a big conference team in football in November, make sure there is a basketball conference game happening that same weekend. Ooh, here's a better idea. Not a better, a different idea, because I really like that idea. <laughs> Let's ask the Pac West, formerly known as the Pac 12, if they want to have a big conference Pac West challenge series in hoops, kind of like the Big Ten used to do with the ACC. 
I think that's one way of making the PacWest conference kind of feel like there's still a power conference, at least for a day. Um, there you go. That's this episode of Locked on USC. It, a little short, but it's a Friday. Let everybody out of here early. Enjoy your weekend. But looking ahead to next weekend, don't forget, um, this is the June Bash weekend, recruiting weekend. Huge. I'm going to have updates for you. Um, I'm also going to have some Elite 11 notes that's been taking place this week. The, uh, the finals are taking place on Friday. So while you're watching this, I will be out there checking it out. And then again, I'll have any commitments that take place over the weekend. I'll make sure you guys get all the lowdown on that. Here's a little note. Uh, Trojan safety prospect, Marquise Gallegos. He said he's going to be making his announcement on June 27th. Here's what you need to know. You could feel good about that announcement when it happens. Things could change. I'm just saying. All right, there you go. That's another episode of Locked on USC in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. Until our next episode, everyone, you know what to do.